The Yesterday and Today podcast is a fan-made, not-for-profit, just-for-fun compilation of chronological source materials as they pertain to the Beatles. The show is in no way affiliated with Apple Corps, nor any organization connected to John, Paul, George, or Ringo in any way, though we do consider ourselves premier members of the Bungalow Bill fan club. So kick back, turn off your mind, relax, and download the stream. We hope you will enjoy the show. Yesterday and Today, 1971, Episode 47. In this edition, we'll cover January through February. I mean, the year after the Beatles was like, but, I mean, it made me sympathize with people on the dole. Because um, people said on the, you'd hear people saying, well, you know, it's not so much just not having a job anymore, it's the feeling useless that's the thing. And that's how I felt. I felt like I didn't have a use anymore. You know, I'd been one of the Beatles, I'd been a bass player, and I'd been a co-writer with John. Suddenly all that was taken away. And I just thought, well, am I any good on my own? It's January 1971. In the High Court, a month earlier, Paul McCartney has filed a suit demanding the dissolution of the Beatles, a group which he maintains, to all intents and purposes, is finished, as they neither record nor appear together anymore. John, George and Ringo contest his action, but nevertheless, they're all very busy with their many personal activities, and some very good solo albums have already been released, with more to follow in the coming year.
January 2nd, George Harrison's album All Things Must Pass reaches number one in the U.S. Also on January 2nd, Paul and Linda have themselves filmed frolicking around the beach at their Scottish farmhouse in Campbellton. It is to be used for a possible promotional film for Paul's up-and-coming album.
Meanwhile, back in England on January 6th, John and Yoko decided to take a trip and meet with Yoko Ono's family in Japan. It would be the couple's first meeting since they married last March. Anthony Fawcett, the Lennon's personal assistant and driver, made all the arrangements. John wanted to show Yoko Liverpool, and Yoko wanted to show John Tokyo. So upon the Lennon's request, Anthony booked a transatlantic cruise to the States departing from Liverpool's Albert Dock. This way, the Lennons can tour John's childhood home in Mendips and see his old haunts such as the Cavern on Matthew Street before continuing their journey to Japan. The couple leave Albert Dock on January 7th and cruise to Miami, Florida, where they take a flight to Tokyo. Back in Scotland, Paul McCartney, through his company McCartney Limited, purchases another 400 acres of land next to his farm at Hyde Park in Campbellton. Hey, it rains quite a bit in Scotland. It comes in quite a cloud off the hill. Um, uh, you know, uh, well, this is only in the July and the August, of course, but, you know, that's normally considered a sunny period, but, you know, sometimes you just get the gulf steam coming in. <laughs> Where do you get the snow? The snow comes in the winter time. <laughs> Mid-July. Paul, along with his wife Linda, are also remixing tracks for their next LP with drummer Denny Sywell and guitarist Hugh McCracken.
On January 13th, John and Yoko landed in Japan. After settling in, the couple visited Yoko's old home in Tokyo. Yoko also showed John the school she had attended, the Gagushuin School, or Pierce School as it was commonly known. This is the most exclusive school in Japan. They also toured the exclusive Christian primary school in Kamegakuin, then on to Azabu, which is the district of Tokyo, where she was sheltered in a special bunker during World War II's firebombing raid on March 9, 1945. The Lennons were driven to the mountain resort of Karizawa. After their tour, they head off to meet Yoko's family, her father, Azuki Ono, and her mother, Izaku Ono. Izaku remarks of John, My husband and I found John very nice and gentle.
During their visit, on January 19th, John receives calls from a solicitor in London who is trying to track him down. It is regarding Paul's high court actions on this day. Lennon does his best to avoid them, but soon faces the inevitable. As he recalls, I got to Japan and I didn't tell anybody I'd arrived. Then, suddenly, I got these calls from a lawyer. Fucking idiot. I didn't like his upper-class Irish-English voice as soon as I heard it. He insisted that I come home. He and Yoko had no alternative but to return home to England. On January the 19th, Paul's court action commenced. The Beatles were battling it out beginning long court hassles that would see Paul suing John, Paul suing George, Paul suing Ringo. Also, Paul could indirectly sue manager Alan Klein. The idea behind the court action was to unfreeze thousands of past record sales dollars and royalties from corporate control and deliver them to the official receiver and ultimately back to the Beatles. We asked Alan Klein to explain the background to the appointment of a receiver. It didn't accomplish anything except embarrassing uh, or bringing out into the, uh, uh, to the public a lot of dirty laundry, I, you know, within the life that they live because of the financial and tax structures. They cannot just simply say goodbye without tax problems so that you can understand it succinctly. They entered into a 10-year arrangement that they would, in effect, split the money Forget, they don't ever have to work together if they don't want. They don't ever have to see each other. It's a financial arrangement. And the question really comes down to whether or not the understanding was, um, and it's fairly clear, but whether or not the understanding was that the four of them would divide equally the monies which were earned either on a collective or an individual basis. Uh, and unfortunately, what has occurred before I entered uh, the picture, you know, you, you could not walk away from. Paul McCartney was the only uh, one of the four on yesterday. He sang, he was the only player, performer. Uh, that, the money on that record was shared equally by all four. Uh, the other three had always understood, and I, you know, that they would always share everything. The problem is not that uh, Paul should, or any of them should be free to do what they want because I think they are and I think they do do whatever they want. It is whether or not they should share the money equally. Nothing more. That is exactly what the bone of contention is. Plus the tax problem. I think it is uh, Alan Klein who's holding me back because he uh, is informing me, he's advising the others that there are tax reasons, great tax reasons why they can't let me go, but uh, I have an idea that it wouldn't be really that difficult to sort of just let me slip out of the partnership and just carry on everything as it was going, just let me out and leave me with any sort of tax problems or whatever, you know? 
I think the easiest way for it to be solved would be for uh, the three uh, other Beatles and um, not the three other Beatles, can I say John, George and Ringo and Alan Klein to just let me out of all my involvement with them and just sort of let me give me what's mine, you know. It's really, I just think it's as simple as that. John and Yoko land back in the UK on January 20th. On the 21st, the Lennons, having cut their trip to Japan short to deal with McCartney's lawsuit, are interviewed at their Tintenhurst estate by left-wing activists Tariq Ali and Robin Blackburn for their underground magazine Red Mole. That's where Red Mole should get at the schools. We are getting a lot there, actually. Especially the students. Yeah. No, lots of school students are now now reading them out. Why? I mean, John, I mean, what sort of were the basic reasons? I mean, I'm not talking about commercial affairs. Why why you split up with the the others? Well, because uh, Paul is a conservative. He votes Tory, does he? Well, I don't think any of us have ever voted. Yeah. Yeah, haven't actually. Yes. But he is a conservative, yeah. and always was in a way. And he's more interested in putting out sort of pop music than anything that says anything. And uh, it was just that kind of thing, you know. That at one period I just said, I think it's limiting what we're doing together, you know. And uh, I want to work individually and not with the group anymore. I think the group image inhibits me. And it was just like that. You know. We got to a point where. We just couldn't work musically together because I couldn't be bothered with, you know, sort of jog along happy songs, you know, about nothing in particular. I just could no longer feel it, you know. Do you get a sort of different pattern of correspondence? I suppose you must do, though. I mean, letters that you get. It, it has changed over the time, hasn't it? There's a few more intelligent letters than, you know, just give my love to Paul and all that, mm. which used to be. Very political these days, isn't it? Most of the time. Yeah, it's usually, you know, will you uh, sort of help this way or yeah. write a letter this way and etc. etc. So it's becoming more realistic for male. The subtle difference between racism and uh, anti femaleism is, is, is just as subtle. You have to really sort of have it. Yeah. A light shone on it to realise... You mean there's a lot of male chauvinism? Oh, sure, that? sure. That's what I was going to ask you, too. How do you treat your women? You know? <laughs> I mean, because we, we can't really have a revolution until we include women in the world. Absolutely. They have to be. And it's so subtle, the way you're taught, is that it took me quite a time to realise my maleness sort of cutting off certain areas for her. And she's a red-hot liberationist in a way. And she was quick to show me where I was going on. It was just a built-in sort of reaction. And uh, anybody that claims radicalism or, you know, whatever it is, I always just like to see how they treat the women, you know. And then Often pretty badly. Sure, sure. There's a lot of male chauvinism on the left, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's ridiculous. I mean, it's, you can't talk about equal rights and revolution and power to the people. The people include both sexes. When did you come to start thinking like that? Well, Yoko was a, a liberation before I met her, you know. I mean, she was, she'd had to fight through a man's world that the art crowd is, is just completely yeah, dominated by men. They are. And they're very they are. bitchy, and she'd yeah, fought are. her way through that. So she was full of revolutionary zeal when we met. There was no ever any question about it that we have to have a 50-50 relationship. <laughs> or there was no relationship, and I was quick to learn. <laughs> yeah, it's as simple as that. It? She did a good article in Nova. Like about two years back, so 
she said, woman is the nigger of the world, really. Yes. And she, she was a friend of Kate Millett at one time. Mm-hmm. Now, we've been in the <clears throat> last few issues of the Mall. We've been doing a lot of interviews with these women night cleaners who go around cleaning offices. Oh, yeah. And how they're trying to unionize themselves, and it's an amazing story. In the latest issue, you've got a story of how one of these bosses on these uh, buildings, you know, people who pay out the money, rang up May Hobbs, who's the leader of these women, and said that if she came around to his building and tried to unionize the women working there, he'd come and break her arm. Amazing. Yeah. They're insane, aren't they? Yes, that, that's very good. So we're very lucky, actually. But we have our loneliness, too, don't we? I mean, together. Yeah, the more reality you come to face, the more alone you are, because you realize how much unreality is mm. the main Thing that program of the day. And the, the more real we become, the more abuse we take. Yeah. So oh, it, yeah. it, it does radicalize us in a way, you know, but being put in a corner. Enthused by the interview yesterday, Lennon writes and records an activist's anthem titled Power to the People. It is recorded at his Ascot studio. One, two, three, four. One, two, three,
Apart from John and Yoko's social activism, George Harrison, meanwhile, is asked about meditation and if he still practices it and still agrees with its philosophy. To tell you the truth, I haven't sat down in the morning and done meditation like, like that for some time. But at the same time, I constantly think of, of the Lord in one fashion or another. And so that's really the main thing, is just to uh, remember and to try and see him within all of you. And that, you know, in itself is uh, a meditation. This philosophy didn't stop the flow of great songs from his studio sessions. From his LP, All Things Must Pass, George pulled this single, which on January the 26th became number one in the United Kingdom, My Sweet Lord.
George's first number one record as a solo artist, My Sweet Lord. Just the record speaks for itself. Uh, he's uh, allowed the public, you know, for the first time to see that uh, what they thought was the basic total talent of the one word Beatle was a collective arrangement of uh, a lot of hard work by four fellas who I think contributed all together differently and equally in their own way. Alan Klein. Ringo, meanwhile, continued to pursue his passion to star in movies. Quiet. Mark it. 57 take one. On February 1st, after accepting the role of narrator for a new film by musician-composer Frank Zappa titled 200 Motels, Ringo began filming at Pinewood Studios in Ivor Heath, Buckinghamshire, England. Why is the background, please? Once again, Ringo, that one. Each guy has his own speciality of going out to find the... What is it? For getting the girl of his dreams. Not going out. Each guy has his own little speciality for getting the girl of his dreams. Each guy has his own little speciality of getting the girl of his dream. The film 200 Motels is the dream of Frank Zappa to make a visual experience that encompasses a story, a fantasy, and a musical extravaganza. It is based on the idea of what it is like to be a pop musician in 1971. Well, I think Frank has had this dream for so long now that I think even he has become unsure as to what exactly the dream constitutes. It's a kind of mixture of childhood fantasies, um, adolescent fantasies, and now grown-up fantasies all somehow strung together. It's a uh, mixed-media... Frank Zappa. ...presentation, a combination of a film, an opera, a television show, a rock and roll concert, various different elements that all tells the story of when you go on the road, it makes you crazy. Hello there. When you go on tour with a musical group, it's possible that any town can seem like this. Whether it's large or small, or busy, or if there's nothing happening in it. The reason for this is quite simple. A musician, if you consider the null pattern of modern civilized life, is on the outside of it all. He doesn't build things. He doesn't work regular hours like a decent, God-fearing citizen. And the life he leads in many ways seems useless and irrelevant to those of us who prefer a quiet evening in front of the television and a bottle of beer. The filming would last up to five days. Back at Abbey Road Studios, London on February 2nd, musicians Leon Russell and Badfinger's Peter Ham joined George Harrison in recording tracks for a proposed album by Phil Spector's wife, Ronnie. The sessions produced the George's voice. unreleased song, Try mic, Some, Buy Some, and this track titled, You. Okay. I want to, oh yes, okay. Want to, and want to,
February 8th, with work on 200 motels now completed, Ringo departs with Maureen for a holiday in Switzerland. He is forced to abandon the vacation early after solicitors in London request him to return to England to deal with Paul's high court action. Paul, meanwhile, is in New York City working on the final mixing of his up-and-coming album titled Ram. the show, visit yesterdayandtodaypodcast.wordpress.com or email at yesterdayandtodaypodcast at gmail.com. Also visit at yesterdaypod on Twitter and search Yesterday and Today Podcast on Facebook. See you next time! Paul Kaminsky. I'm James Kaminsky. And I'm Wayne Kaminsky. And we bring you the Kaminsky family of podcasts Yesterday and Today and the Third Men podcast. You might know me from one of those dumb voices I do, or my dad <laughs> from his better show than ours. <laughs> wow. And we're here to tell you about some cool merchandise you can pick up for the shows. As we mentioned in each episode, we do not in any way profit from these shows whatsoever, but to break even on some expenses, we have put up some cool merch that you can pick up to help support the show. Yes, some fun apparel, things you can put on yourself. Are we going to be selling Marks and Spence underwear? <laughs> Don't worry, we will. <laughs> you can head to our social media pages. That's facebook.com slash yesterday and today podcast or facebook.com slash third men. Or you could head to society Six. Dot com slash Kaminsky Family Podcast. That's society, the number six, dot com slash K-A-M-I-N-S-K-I Family Podcasts. Yeah, keep our lights on. I'm in the dark. <laughs> Dad, any words of wisdom? Hello? The lights just went out. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we need your help. <laughs> Buy stuff. Perhaps a coffee mug that you can enjoy a beverage out of while listening to our shows. And if you haven't got yours, please send forth in and get a free one. All right. Thank you, Dad. All right, we'll see you on the podcast, folks. Bye. It's audio. You can't see me. Oh, for God's sake.